you know, I'm a university professor. I, I'm a Spanish professor. So <laughs> that was my next question, which you're not just the ordinary parent. So you are a professor of Spanish. Right. And so have you spoken Spanish to your girls growing up in the home? No, and this has been sort of an embarrassing, embarrassing part of my family life. I'm David Knudsen. I'm a professor of Spanish at Xavier University in Cincinnati, Ohio. Fernando, I met David last summer up in northern Minnesota at Concordia Language Villages. On your tour of America's greatest summer language immersion programs. Yep, and in addition to interviewing deans and former students, I asked to interview a parent, and this parent turned out to be something of a surprise. When my daughters were very young, I tried, I tried to use some Spanish with them when we were alone, and they just pretty much refused to let dad speak these strange words that he didn't use with anyone else. So that's just the reality of our community. They grew up in an English-speaking family. So how do, how do we resolve this problem? I knew about Concordia Language Villages over the years growing up in Iowa, studying in Minnesota and Wisconsin. So I knew this, this existed. So the Spanish professor brought his own daughters to language camp at Concordia. He did, and we'll hear what happened to them, and we'll hear about this famous American language camp, or language villages, as they say, from two long-serving deans, several counselors, and one rather remarkable student. But first, let's welcome everyone to the show. I'm Steve Levine. I'm Fernando Hernandez. And you're listening to America the Bilingual. at El Lago del Bosque in Bemidji, one of our Spanish-language villages. Lago del Bosque, Forest Lake. But I didn't catch the other name. In Bemidji, that's the small town in northern Minnesota that is home to the Concordia language villages. To get there, my wife Lori and I drove north from Minneapolis for about four hours into the beautiful countryside. I'm speaking with Jennifer Spear, who heads the French, Italian, Portuguese, and Spanish communities at Concordia. This place looks so big, and it really does look like a Spanish central plaza. And uh, you have other facilities, too, here. Mm -hmm. We have seven villages around the end of this lake, Turtle River Lake, and each one is designed to replicate the cultures of the languages spoken. We drove by a beautiful-looking German uh, building, and, of course, we started at the French chalet, or what do you call it? The French, the main building is called Paris, because every building is named after a city, and that building replicates the look of the Osman buildings in Paris from the 1800s. Ah, the fellow who redid Paris. Yes, yes. And so each village also tries to represent different parts of, of the countries that speak that language. For example, here in the Spanish language village, we have a set of cabins that are designed after Central American housing and villages, and then another hill of cabins that looks like Mexico, La Hacienda. Jennifer told me there are plenty of beautiful camps in America, and there are other summer language programs, but no place combines the two as well as Concordia. 
We can go into depth in things like STEM or theater arts. The Italian Village, for example, had the Metropolitan Opera group from Minneapolis come up and do a week of special aria and opera teaching. Oh my gosh, that must have been fun. It was fun. They do similar things with sports. In sports, the German program hires young German coaches who work with German kids all year round. They come over here and are our soccer coach, teaching and coaching soccer for four hours a day, all in German. Does Concordia make their kids sign a pledge to speak only the language? Ah, you mean like Middlebury, which we covered in episode 35. Exactly. We do not have kids sign a pledge. We always allow questions in English. Kids can reflect with each other in English, but everything is led and directed in the language of the language village. And you incentivize them to stay in the language, right? And what do you call it? Live Live the language. We have fun games that we play in all of our language villages that challenge kids to speak the language for 24 hours. And what it's called is, is super, for example, super français. And in the morning at breakfast, they line up and they take a special name tag for the day. And it's in every single language. So we have Sprachmeister and they have super espanol. They cannot speak English even to their friends. The next day, they're awarded if they still are wearing that name tag. And the, how are they rewarded? It's a wonderful, precious prize of a bead that goes on their camp name tag. This sounds like a little game, but when you see high school students who are very proud to wear, especially if they've come back year after year, you know, 30 well, You get to keep beads. your beads from last year? Oh, yes. I asked Jennifer what Concordia gives kids that they can't get at their regular schools. We have a ratio of staff of one staff member to four villagers. So when you think about that ratio, you realize the opportunity for interaction is so much greater. At America the Bilingual, we, we talk about the Dorothy moment, which is when somebody suddenly, or it feels suddenly, have this capacity in language, and it's, you know, they open the door and everything's in technicolor. Do you find that happens here at all? Oh, yes. And it's so fun to see in a 10-year-old who might be here for the second summer for, of two weeks. And all of a sudden they realize they just spent the entire day operating, negotiating, uh, having fun in the language, and they're comfortable in it. Steve, is Concordia only for kids? That's most of what they do, but they operate year-round, offering programs for adults, for school classrooms and their teachers, and even for families to be immersed together over a weekend. The young and the old seem to face similar challenges. The challenged ones, they come and they're homesick for a couple days. We've even heard this from our adult participants or our family parents over a weekend. Jennifer told me even parents get headaches and sometimes think they need a break. But then they don't want to leave because then they get used to it. And they start to realize they're comfortable in this and they, they can ask to pass, you know, they can ask for the rice at the other end of the table. They start to feel really successful and confident. And you see this reaction, whether it's in a 7-year-old or a 70-year-old. Jennifer has had 30 years of experience at Concordia, starting as a villager herself and then becoming a counselor and a French teacher. She introduced me to someone on the Concordia staff with even more seniority. I am Diana here at the Lago de Bosque. My real name is Diane Tess, and I'm the dean of the Lago de Bosque. 
her real name? Yes, everyone takes on a new name at Concordia, which we'll hear more about in a minute. We were born in 1963. She means the Spanish village Lago del Bosque. The first the German village started in 1961, the Norwegian village was in 62, and we were in 63. So I started in 76. I started as a cook. Diane was a college student studying Spanish at the University of Wisconsin-Eau Claire and found out that her best friend was going to be a counselor at this language camp up north. She said, they need a cook. They need a cook who wants to go out for two weeks. I said, I'll go. Changed my life. I just fell in love with the place. Diane went on to study in Madrid and became a Spanish teacher herself. I asked her the same question I had asked Jennifer. Why can't students just learn languages at their schools? There's a bond at camp that doesn't happen in any other kind of community, right? Because you're doing all these fun things, but you're doing it here in Spanish. So that's what, I mean, it's just, it's so unique, you know? Many people have tried to imitate us all over the United States, but we're the biggest. Fernando, the facilities I saw really did look impressive. These grand buildings all set apart from one another in beautiful woods around the lake. Diane says they were all paid for by donations. It's all donations from patrons, Concordia College alumni, Concordia Language Villages alumni, people who get invested in the project. I mean, we just got $5 million from some Koreans to start building the Korean village. It's going to be great. They're going to be our neighbors. Diane told me villagers get a total camp experience while learning a language without sometimes even noticing it. Where are you going to learn to play volleyball in Spanish? Or hit the soccer ball, or we do badminton, we do frisbees. You can go out in a canoe and do it in Spanish. You can learn to cook something Spanish. You can learn to do embroidery in Spanish. And I'm guessing it in Spanish. We have good food. May I have a compliment of 10 cooks? Just for the Spanish? Just for this site. 10 cooks? Yeah. Tonight we're doing Mexico. We're having fish tacos tonight for dinner. Mm. Tomorrow lunch we're doing uh, the Dominican Republic with Dominican chicken. And uh-huh. I'm getting hungry. You're always hungry. <laughs> Laura and I got to have lunch at the French Village. So how many students would you estimate are in here right now? We have about 100 villagers at the moment who uh, kind of range in age from 8 years old to 18 years old. And some of them are here for two weeks, some of them are here for four weeks. And then they're interspersed with our counselors who are either native French speakers or who speak French as another language. My name is Benoit, and I am the dean of the first half of Lactobois Bemidji. Benoit's real name is Cliff Schwartz. As you'll gather, Fernando, each villager and counselor at Concordia chooses a new name. Here's Jennifer. When I began as a villager, I think I chose the name Elise. I just thought that sounded really pretty. And that happens sometimes. Kids come and they see things on the list and they think, oh, I'll try that name. And then when I became a counselor, the French staff told me, oh, you kind of look like a Charlotte. I was like, oh, <laughs> d'accord. Je m'appelle Charlotte. And I've been Charlotte in the language villages since. Yes, we keep hearing about how speaking a new language invites you to adopt a new identity. I like how Concordia encourages this process. It's not only that you learn the language through names that are culturally based, but you step into those shoes of a French speaker, right? And you become that French speaker. So just because I'm Steve doesn't mean... I got excited hearing this since I never really liked Esteban. I asked him if I could be maybe Carlos or Mario or Fernando. There you go. I think you're 
You can't be Fernando. I think you're a Pablo, maybe. <laughs> Let's get back to the lunch. You know, a couple of years ago, we realized that we spend about three hours a day at mealtimes. That's a lot of time. So, so that's a key time for us to focus on language use and learning and production. I'm Martin Grefe. I'm one of the group directors like Charlotte, and I work with the Nordic Villages. At lunch, Laura and I were surrounded by staff, and I pressed them to explain why it was worth it to come all the way up to Concordia. Oh, the wonderful thing is if you're in a school course, you're there for 45, 55 minutes a day, whereas here you're hearing it all day long. You get a chance to think about it, internalize it, do things you enjoy. Je m'appelle Izo. My name is Izo. I'm the one- and two-week curriculum facilitator for the first half of French Bemidji. Izo is Julie Artis. When you come to the villages in the summer, you're going away to camp, and you're all in this boat of adventure together. And so you... you... I like that, boat of adventure. Oh, yeah, yeah, I don't know if you want to quote me on that. <laughs> it's not in our mission, but it is... <laughs> it might be in the future, who knows? But you know, you're experiencing these new things together. Izo told me how in this beautiful remote setting, bonds form among kids who come from all 50 states and from diverse backgrounds. into our free time and I was supposed to, to talk about what is going to be offered when the, when the villagers have free time. And now they go to their cabins to rest for la siesta. We're hearing the, the tables being uh, put away. Why, why do you put away the tables? Well, so this is the time of day where we where we sweep and mop this floor. And so the counselors help to to fold up the tables and push them off to the side. It's beginning to sound like a work camp <laughs> well, it, in, in, a, in a foreign language. It all goes back to the fact that, you know, we were living together. forget the time where I cleaned the the dining room with three villagers who were very young and they didn't know how to mop very well. So I put on some Edith Piaf music and I taught them how to waltz so we could waltz and mop at the same time. As Izo is describing the sweet memory, I see kids out there on the floor mopping. And? I had to ask her. How to waltz? Yes. <laughs> Izo asked for some Edith Piaf to be played on the sound system. Thank you. The villagers are why we come back, and it's because of this. You know, it's they're really, really incredible people. Attention là, la valse est dangereuse.
Okay, so you said you began here when you were quite young. Mm-hmm. How young? I believe I started when I was six, um, and I went for a one-week program. was my first time. What was that like? Um, it was pretty amazing, honestly. I fell in love with it. We danced all the time. I remember just running around the village. There was probably a lot more structure, but that's the part that I remember was just having so much fun. My name is Raquel, and I am the two-week curriculum facilitator here at El Lago del Bosque. Me llamo Raquel, y soy la encargada del programa de dos semanas. When she's not at Concordia, Raquel is known as Rachel Schaefer. That first experience was so positive that she wanted to come back many times. So then, after that, continued coming back to the village for nine years, two-week sessions, and then went to the French village a couple of times and the Voyageur program as well, which is like the canoeing out. Separate from their regular camp experience, Concordia also offers the Voyager program, which is trekking, camping, out of canoes, sleeping in tents, all done in French. So Raquel learned Spanish and French. Cool. Nine summers, and then what? And then I went on an an exchange program in high school to Argentina, mainly because every counselor I'd met here from Argentina was amazing and I really wanted to get to know their country. So I did that. It's a rare but beautiful thing when American high school students study abroad, as we reported in episode 17. You went to Argentina as a high school student. Yes, I did. I spent five months there. Five months? Wow, that's very unusual. It was at my school, but then it just it seemed normal, I guess. It wasn't anything like big or scary for me after being here. But the next year, I came back as a staff member, and it is now my sixth year on staff. Okay, and so then you went to college, and what happened there? Um, so I studied Spanish and education at Concordia College, and I studied abroad in Spain my sophomore year, and that was a cool contrasting experience from Argentina, just to learn different types of Spanish. I've also, I, so I did student teaching in Norway, and I taught Spanish in Norway at an international school. I, no, no, wait a minute. That, uh, I'm, all of a sudden, I'm, I'm sort of annoyed with the Norwegians, you know. They not only speak Norwegian and English, but now they're learning Spanish, too? Yes, they were. They were it was a very impressive experience. And so then what? Well, I also went to Rwanda and Tanzania with my school, and the program in Rwanda was teaching English, and as well as Tanzania. Wow. Yeah. What language do they speak in Tanzania? They speak Swahili. And how's your Swahili? Uh, it's okay. It's not very good, but I can have a simple conversation. Say say hello to me and how how are you doing in Swahili? Uh, Jambo, habari machana. Oh, that sounds so good. Thank you. <laughs> yeah, it was actually pretty easy to catch on to it. The letter sounds are very similar to Spanish. Raquel just finished her bachelor's degree at Concordia and has won a Fulbright scholarship to work for a year in Colombia. I will be teaching English at a university, and then I also will be doing a social project. I've had a couple ideas, but nothing for certain yet as to what I want to do with that. Raquel is definitely a poster child for Concordia. And for studying abroad, here's what Diana told me about Raquel. Raquel is what I would want my daughter to be. She just went to Tanzania because she could. 
and it was a service project. She did her student teaching in Norway, and now she's going to go on Fulbright to Colombia. So tolerant, so accepting, so loving, and she's going to be a great Spanish teacher. I put Raquel on the spot. If you had a chance to talk to parents who were considering sending their kids here, what would you say? I would say it's definitely a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity. It's an experience that will challenge them, but also help them grow a lot in their language abilities, but then also their ways of interacting with other people. Raquel said that sometimes the kids have unrealistic expectations about how easy learning a language will be. Villagers think they'll become fluent by the end of the two weeks that their session is, and it's really interesting to see them come to the realization that learning a language is a lot harder than they originally think it is, and that it actually does take a lot of work. Does that bum them out when they realize how much time is involved? I think it does a little, for sure, but I think one of the nice things about learning the language in the village is that you're surrounded by more than just the language and the culture, and I think that continues to motivate them to learn, even though they understand now that it's more of a time investment. Steve, when we reported on Middlebury language schools, we learned that students have to switch their phones to the language they are studying. Yes, I asked about that. What is your policy about cell phones and laptops and technology? None, absolutely none. The only exceptions. So children who are here for four weeks get their cell phones two weeks after so they can call their parents, but that's the only time. We, we give them out and we collect them. So how do the students react to that policy? We do have kids that want to sneak in cell phones, you know. One of their favorite tricks is to take a teddy bear, open it up, take the stuffing out, put their stuff in, and then sew it back up with some more stuffing in to hide it. But, kind of but you're wise to that, huh? Oh, we are wise to that. We are wise to many <laughs> things. I have many staff who have been villagers before who snuck in contraband items. So they know all the tricks. So they know all the tricks. Here's what Jennifer says about their cell phone policy. <laughs> Families are always able to connect with us and check in on how people are doing. They'll see pictures of their villagers in action every day. But the kids get to let go of technology. Well, don't the kids resist that? They might for the very first hour. And once they realize there's so much more to be doing and so many people to meet um, and foods to try and activities to be involved in, that they soon forget it. These kids are digital natives, right? They never knew life without phones. That's right, but their parents do remember life before smartphones. Diana told me how some parents responded when they came to pick up their kids. The parents just applauded. It was just kind of shocking. They were all so happy that, yeah, the kids lived with electronics for two and four weeks, and guess what? They survived. Concordia operates during the school year, as I mentioned, and they have programs where teachers bring their language classes up for a weekend. We interviewed a lot of teachers this past year, and they said that after those first 12 hours, over a three-day weekend, they see their kids relax. And for the first time, they see them looking into each other's eyes because they don't have their phones. Whoa, these are the, the teachers, and they see their students looking at each other. Mm-hmm. For the first time, they see students talking to each other in different ways with a relaxed demeanor and with a different facial expression altogether. They see their bodies relax. Um, you know, there's resistance at first to let go of that phone, but then they find themselves in a whole new mode 
of communicating. Fernando, the deans told me their biggest competition comes not from other language camps, but from camps that focus on sports or music or technology. Well, some schools are letting computer programming substitute for language learning. Some parents think it's more important. I asked Jennifer about that. Why bother learning languages today? You know, computer programming, coding, STEM. These are what are going to make America competitive. So why are you wasting time here with languages? Research shows that learning a language stimulates your brain to make more connections in the synapses and also helps you in all fields of thinking, in scientific areas, in music, in mathematics. It's a kind of growth through learning that truly happens through language only. Jennifer also mentioned gains in self-knowledge, and a word we hear a lot in our coverage of bilingualism in America, empathy. Young people and older people, people of all ages, learn more about themselves because it's a, it's a tool that's social. And so in interacting with someone else in a second language, you're learning to express yourself in a whole different way. And in doing so, you become empathetic. What are... Monolingual Americans missing out on? Probably a part of themselves that they haven't been able to express. Diana sees an opportunity for new American bilinguals. You can't fully accept another culture without learning something about the language. The more fluent you are, the better. Tourist Spanish, you know, gets you to a restaurant. It gets you to a bathroom. But you can't really appreciate the country until you go in and you sit down and have a conversation. We're not going to be at peace with ourselves without being able to accept other cultures. So Steve, how did it work out for our dad, the Spanish professor we met at the top of the show? Our dear Professor Knudsen, who couldn't get his twin girls to speak Spanish. I'll never forget the time my daughter woke me up one morning speaking Spanish. What did she say? She just said, buenos dias, papá. Vamos a desayunar. Let's have breakfast. And this was after the camp? This was after the camp, in, in months after the camp. It came out of the blue. You know, she was hungry one morning, and she figured out that was the best way to get me out of bed. You see, when I met David Knutson, it wasn't the first time he was dropping off his girls. Didn't know what I was hearing. I didn't know what had happened to my daughter. I had to look again to make sure it was her. But I, w- I was obviously satisfied and happy. And, uh, and again, that uh, expression didn't come from me. It came from her experiences and lessons here at Concordia. This is the fifth year. I'm dropping them off today. Uh, and how old are they? They're 13. 13. I have twin daughters, uh, Miriam and Lydia. They love it here. Every year they're kind of nervous when I drop them off, but when I pick them up two weeks later, there are tears in their eyes. They're hugging their friends. It's a really, really nice scene, and they want to come back next year. Professor Knutson looked off in the distance and recalled what had happened just a few minutes earlier. Yeah, yeah. The, I dropped my daughters off at the entrance here, unloaded the suitcases, and I had to drive away to park. And I saw in the rearview mirror they were already hugging some friends they, they'd seen from, they'd known from last year.
The America the Bilingual podcast is part of the Lead with Languages campaign of ACTFL, the American Council on the Teaching of Foreign Languages. This episode was written by me, Steve Levine, and edited by Fernando Hernandez, who also does our sound design and mixing. Mim Harrison is our editorial and brand director for the America the Bilingual Project. Graphic arts are created by Carlos Plaza Design Studio. Carolyn Dowdy is our social media maven. Associate producer Becky Rankin provided her fine fieldwork, as always. Important background was also provided by Raya Lichen. Support for the America the Bilingual Project comes from the Levenger Foundation. Special thanks to my wife, Lori, who traveled with me on the road trip to Concordia and witnessed waltzing with mops. Music in this episode, Quasi-Motion by Kevin McLeod, was used with a Creative Commons attribution license. Our thanks to Epidemic Sound for helping us make beautiful music together. If you like this episode, please share with a friend and subscribe on iTunes or wherever you listen to podcasts. Thanks for listening. For America the Bilingual, this is Steve Levine. Steve Levine